Hello, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Alana here with Jamie, and we have kind of a lighthearted-ish episode today. Hopefully it'll be lighthearted. Otherwise, we're just going to come across as really catty and mean, (laughs) (laughs) which would be equally fun to watch. That would be really fun. That's right. No, we're going to be talking about just kind of prayer peeves, um, bad tips of advice that we've heard about prayer, things like that. But again, with a very lighthearted spirit and just maybe even examining some of these like tropes and cliches about prayer that some people really ascribe to and kind of poking beneath them to see what's there. Yeah, I think that's good. Cool. Uh, Where do we start? Do we start with prayer? (laughs) Yeah, let's start with prayer. Uh, Okay. Actually, let's do prayer and and, and our verse of the day. I'll do our verse of the day first. How about that? So our verse of the day is Romans 8, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And I thought this was really applicable as we're talking about these prayer peeves in kind of keeping it in the spirit that it was intended. Like we're not here to condemn people. (laughs) This is just, um, and some of these honestly are just going to be like individual peeves, right? So it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that just because Alana gets annoyed by this type of prayer or this cliche about prayer that it's wrong. So um, again, a lot of our episodes, this kind of spring and summer have really had this focus of like peeling back the layers. Why do we pray the way we do? Why do we say the things that we do about prayer? And really analyzing it with fresh eyes so that we're not becoming real syncretistic with like all of these things that the whole world has said about prayer, but really just figuring out, okay, what's the Bible say? And what is my prayer experience? And letting some of the other stuff kind of fall to the wayside. Yeah, no, I think that's so important. I think it's always important to be evaluating why we believe what we believe um, because there's so much, like I, when I went on my first mission trip to Kenya, right after college, I realized how much of my faith and my doctrine was cultural. And when you're outside of your own culture, you know, but most of us don't get that opportunity very often. I mean, I've gone on two out of country mission trips in my life. Mm -hmm. Some of, some Mm -hmm. people have gone way more or live overseas. And I think there's a gift there of experiencing Christian culture and in, in a different culture, because then you can see, okay, what got stripped away and lost in translation from my culture, yep. what are they holding on to that's cultural and how do I tease out biblical mm-hmm. solid truth? And, you know, not that faith is yeah. meant to be lived out in a vacuum. I mean, culture is part of it, but mm-hmm. truth isn't cultural necessarily. So, yeah. yeah. And, and realizing that some things that we might think are truth really our preferences right right? and so it's still fine to be like well I prefer to pray with my eyes closed like that's totally fine but it's not fine is to say that if you pray with your eyes open you're a you know a heathen or or something like that yeah yeah all right well do you want to pray for our show and then we'll dive into our topic let's do it 
God, we just thank you for this time to kind of reflect on some of our prayer peeves, some of the things that that rub us the wrong way that people say or do or think about prayer. Um, we just pray that this would be productive and positive, that there wouldn't be anything uh, negative about it at all, that it would be lighthearted and fun, but that it would just be an insightful look into some of the things that are said or believed or done pertaining to prayer that may not be 100% rooted in truth. And, and just for all of us, God, we pray you would just bring an openness and a um, teachability. Just help us to be teachable in all things. Help us to always be open to evaluating what we believe and how we practice our faith in a way that would allow your light to shine truth on any lies or any misconceptions or even just any extras that we've added on as part of culture that weren't meant to be added so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. So our just for fun question is what's a piece of parenting advice or we, or we can make it marriage advice that say what's a piece of parenting or marriage advice that sounds really smart, but you think is ridiculous. Hmm. Well, so I have a really hard time because I am so like, I see both sides of things. So I know. <laughs> I, so let me give an example of something that someone else said. So this is a parenting thing. So I remember talking with someone and they were like, I was talking to so-and-so about parenting. And they said that when their kid does something wrong, they ignore it. And he's like, that's the worst advice I've ever heard in my entire life. Why would you ignore something wrong? Why would you mm -hmm. not correct it? And at the time I was like, yeah, that's awful. But then I think about it on the other side and I'm like, well, there are some behaviors that when you ignore them, go away because they're not getting any response. There are times when children do things that are to gain attention in a negative way. And, and there is an element of truth to the ignore it. And it will not be repeated because they're not getting the attention because some of the kids that are labeled troublemakers are just children that are starving for attention. So mm -hmm. I can see both sides of that argument. I right. totally it can see, you know, I am more of a, in theory, if you see something wrong, you have to acknowledge it. You have to correct it. But on the other mm -hmm. hand, that, and in practice, I'm more of a ignore it and maybe it'll go away. <laughs> Well, and I'm sure it depends on the behavior too. No, you know, it definitely does. No, yeah. for sure that it's attention seeking and it's not harmful, then ignoring might make sense. Um, I know. Yeah. Sometimes I get a little like comically annoyed with parents who think that no is like a, a dirty word. Like, oh, we, right. we don't say no to our child. <laughs> Right. You, you don't know, want like, to okay, squelch their development. Them. Right, right, right. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I'm like you, I absolutely understand the heart behind it, but from a, yeah. like from a, let's create a productive, well-rounded adult in 18 to 25 years, somebody who's never heard, no, well, that's not going to go good in your work life, in your dating life, in, no. you know, and stuff like that. But I, again, I'm kind of like you, I get the heart behind it. Yeah. I would say the one thing that I completely disagreed with, I, I don't think this movement lasted for very long because I like, I heard of it once when my oldest was a baby and I haven't heard of it since. Um, but have you heard of moms who will leave the room 
when their babies are getting any type of immunization or something like that. And they don't do it because like, I get it. There are some people who just can't handle shots. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if it's going to be that you need to leave your room or you're going to faint and get a concussion, then go ahead and right. leave the room. Don't but, do it. <laughs> right. And again, we, we, this isn't a discussion about whether people should vaccinate, blah, blah, blah. But the idea for an itty bitty bitty period of time was, well, I don't want my baby to associate me with pain. And so I need to leave the room. And what I like, I just took that to its next natural progression. And my thought is, well, then all you're teaching your child is that when life hurts, mommy's gone. Like, how horrible is that? So, um, like I said, I don't think that fad lasted for very long, or maybe I just got out of being around a lot of parents and newborns, but that was one that, again, when you take it to its conclusion, oh, okay, I can't be in the room and my child hurts. Well, then all you're doing is teaching the child that if something big and scary happens is that you're out of there. Like that, that's pretty horrible. If yeah. you, you know. I have never, I, I don't think I have heard that. Um, yeah, I don't think I've heard that. Yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of that. And like I said, I'm, I'm glad yeah. that it no, I could seems see why. to have not, uh, <laughs> again, stick. yeah. If you need to leave the room cause you can't handle it, that's one thing. But, um, if you need to do it because you don't want to be there when your kid hurts, because then they're going to associate you with hurting, like that's 80% of being a mom of a baby, isn't it? Like comforting them when they're in right. discomfort. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. Well, um, we're going to carry this discussion now into like pieces of advice about prayer that maybe sound smart, but when you poke underneath are kind of silly like that, or just pet peeves people have about how they treat prayer. So I think basically you and I just kind of came up with our own list. So should we just kind of go back and forth sharing our peeves? Yeah. Okay. I'll let you take the first one. Okay. Um, I think one of my biggest ones is when, if, if your prayer isn't answered, then you didn't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. And that is more than just a peeve. I've seen people leave the faith for, Absolutely. It, I have, yeah, I, I know someone who, um, had a loved one that was basically dying and there was a very, you know, like religious group of family members that were praying. This person was not religious and they basically pointed fingers and were like, someone here doesn't have enough faith. And that's why he was lost like that kind of thing. And it can definitely be on a spectrum, but for someone to say that if you prayed for X, Y, or Z, whether it's healing, whether it's Mm -hmm. whatever, And God didn't, you know, the idea is that God didn't come through because you didn't muster up enough faith because you were doubting because they take, and and almost all of the, the misconceptions are based on a grain of truth, such as, you know, uh, the prayer and faith will make the sick person well, you know? Okay. And so they take that and say, well, that means that if you don't have enough faith, then it, then, then nothing's going to happen. And I'm sure there are elements of that, of, of praying in faith but mm-hmm. it gets taken to this place where the human is made the person with power, not God. Yeah. It, it robs God of his power. When you're saying that somehow, if you have just a kernel of doubt that you're, or if you're not a person of faith and you're, you know, that you're going to somehow make these other prayers ineffective yeah. because 
yeah, it's mm-hmm. almost like a superstition mm-hmm. thing. And I think that yeah. is a damaging, terrible doctrine or whatever yeah. you call it. I read a book about healing. I won't name the author because I, I think it overstepped. Um, it didn't, it didn't go quite as far as what you're talking about, but he actually had a really good point, which is if God answered every prayer for healing, and if Christians were meant to be perfectly healthy, how are any of us going to get to heaven? (laughs) Right? Like eventually our bodies are meant to leave, you know, die so that our souls can, can go to heaven. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely agree that that can be so damaging Mm -hmm. and destructive. I also believe that there is amazing power that comes from having faith and I believe Mm -hmm. in miraculous healings, but we need to approach that with so much, like we need to have bold and reckless faith and humility to know that God knows best. And, And sometimes it, it's hard to walk that balance for sure. It is. And I think you definitely can be on the other side of it where you're just, you know, the frozen chosen, let's show up at church, let's sing the hymn and then get out and not, not address that there or not acknowledge the power of God and the power of prayer. You can go to the other side of that. So, you know, like you said, there's, there's a balance, there's a truth to be had. Absolutely. Like some people will say that miracles don't happen anymore at all. Um, you know, God doesn't ever heal anybody because that's why we now have doctors. I'm like, well, there were doctors in Jesus day, right? Like Mm -hmm. so much. So now we're going to equate Western medicine with Jesus's power and say that, oh, well, now that we have doctors, we don't need miraculous healings. So again, (laughs) you know, there are, there are lots of extremes to avoid in those Mm -hmm. kinds of discussions. Yeah. I think when I think of prayer pet peeves, the biggest one that comes to me is the saying, all we can do is pray. I feel like there is such a defeated, like you're defeated before you even start when you come at it with that. It's like, I've done everything that I could think of doing and nothing worked. I guess now I need to pray. Mm -hmm. I get that sometimes God brings us to the end of our rope so that our prayers do become more powerful and effective. Like, so again, kind of like with some of the parenting in our just friend, I sort of get the heart behind it. But again, when you look at the words themselves, what you're saying is, well, prayer is the absolute last resort. And at that point, like there's no faith behind there either. Right. When you say, all I can do is pray, you're saying, well, I, again, I think sometimes it's good to get to the end of your rope like that. It's good to recognize that you can do nothing to fix a situation, but just that defeated attitude behind all I can do is pray uh, really gets to me. And then of course the question is, well, why, why is prayer the very last one you turn to? Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Yep. Well, one that I have that again, like none of them are just cut and dry, but there's right. one that one that I have that I kind of am. I'm, I'm always just like, and I've done it before too. Um, but is when, when something happens and somebody makes a point to say, oh, well, it's a good thing that I prayed for that for you to mm. make it happen. Do you know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, so so like something, something happens. That's good. You get it. You get the job that you've been wanting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you tell someone and you're excited and they're like, like, yeah, I was just praying that for you the other day, 
or uh-huh, almost like, like the feather like, in my hat. Look like, what I did. But yeah. the other side of that is I know for sure that I know of people that do that sometimes to try to be a testimony of God's power. For sure. Like, yeah, it's all the heart right, behind it. Right. It is. It is. Yeah. So, but yeah. And, um, but sometimes you want to do that to be like, look what God did. He prompted me to pray for you. Yeah. But I think there might be people out there that do that. Like, look how, look at my, my power of prayer. For I sure. did this yeah. or, you know, yeah. kind of, it's like name dropping. It's like, it kind of is. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was praying for this person the other day that was, you know, uh-huh. that, that was thinking about doing whatever. And, and then they yeah. ended up you know, getting in a better situation anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the name dropping prayers where you kind of drop yeah. your own name and uh-huh. how, like uh-huh. listing out your prayer record for the, right. for the attention of others. But for again, sure. yeah, but again, it can not, be a testimony, not right? to be like, judgmental because you don't know someone's heart when they do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of, let's say just like some really f- strange, obscure thing came your way. Like, I don't know, you got flowers from a mysterious person out of the blue just to brighten your day. And you told me, and I was like, that's so cool. Cause I was actually just praying that God would send something like just right, out of the to blue to you. Day. Yeah. Like there's, again, is the glory going to you or to God? If the glory is going to God, right? Like it, it is kind of cool to see those, you know, what the world calls coincidences. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's, oh yeah, well, you're welcome. Cause I prayed that something cool would happen to you. So yeah. good thing you're I, welcome. good thing I listened to God and did that prayer <laughs> he wanted me to do for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it's all the heart behind it. It is. Um, I know another peeve, and this is a peeve more about like the philosophy of why we pray. It really can get to me when people say prayer is just for us, right? So the, the argument goes, God's sovereign. Therefore he already knows what he's going to do. Therefore your prayers don't really make a difference in what happens. It's just for your own benefit. And it sounds a tiny bit pious. It sounds like, oh, look at me. I'm so, um, I'm so full of faith in the sovereignty and authority of God. But then you look at it and, and it, it's all about you. Like how self-absorbed is that? It's like saying, well, I only, um, hug my spouse, not because he wants me to show him affection, but because I read a scientific study that hugging your spouse, like reduces your stress levels and makes you live longer right? Like how insulting would that be if I showed up to my husband? I'm like, yeah, I know you love me even if I don't hug you. So I'm just doing it because it's good for my health. Right. That, that kind of takes away from the, <laughs> takes, takes away Not very from romantic, the, the relationship. <laughs> and that's what it is. It takes away from the relationship when it makes, when you make it all about yourself. Yeah. And of course, like all of these, we can flip it, right? Like sometimes, yeah, sometimes when we go to prayer about something, we realize that it's so our own hearts can be changed, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you're praying because you don't want to move and your, you know, your spouse is about to move and you're praying against the move and you realize that it's not really about whether you move or not. It's about whether you trust God or where your marriage is going, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so sometimes, yeah, there are, there are hundreds of benefits that we get from praying. But to say that prayer is for our benefit is so selfish. And it also becomes too fatalistic then like, what's the point of praying if it's not 
ever going to change anything. And it's just going to make me a better person, Mm -hmm. right? Like if prayer is just so that I get, you know, my participation check mark for the day from God, that's not a relationship. That's a, you know, that's a elementary school gym teacher who's like, did she do her pushups? Yeah. We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process. But I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor, and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Uh, I would say one of mine is kind of this prosperity gospel mentality with prayer that, um, that our prayers should only be focused on physical blessings, Mm -hmm. whether it's monetary or, you know, um, health or jobs or friendships or whatever that, that basically this idea that, um, I think it's a belief that God wants us to have an easy life and, um, and, and just the follow through of that being that we should be anytime that there's a situation that comes up, we need to be praying for that easy thing to the extent that if it, and again, it goes into the, if that thing doesn't happen, then maybe you didn't have enough faith because God always wants you to have, but uh, just like anything else, the flip side of that is I think some people can take a, uh, which is another pet peeve, the mm-hmm. stoic. Exactly. Side. I must suffer to be close to God. So God, right. please send me all the suffering that, yeah. you know, that I can handle to draw me close to you. And right. I love what Paul says, you know, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, yeah. right? Like there's, you know, or we take Ecclesiastes, there's a time for a plenty. There's a time for want. There's a time for feasting. There's a time for famine. Mm-hmm. It's less about your circumstances and more about just, you know, trusting God with where you are. But I agree. Like I, I dislike both extremes, but I especially dislike this kind of martyry. If I'm not suffering, then I'm obviously going to become complacent. You know, like people will pray curses on America because America needs to be persecuted for the church to awaken. Like, 
who says, right? Like who says, yeah, we, we see that some people are persecuted, but who says that's the only way to become holy, right? right? So instead we're like, okay, we know persecution's coming. We know persecution is a reality. Um, why do we have to wish it upon ourselves? Right. Yeah. And where do we get this notion that you must suffer to be godly? Like to me, that just harkens back to, you know, old Catholic church where people wanted to keep the Christian peasants downtrodden. And so they kind of created this sense of, well, if you're suffering, you must be close to God. Whereas that allowed them to stay fat and well-fed and comfortable, right? So yeah, God is with us in our suffering. God can be with us in abundance. God can be with us in the in-between. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think whether you're on one side or the other of that extreme, mm-hmm. you yeah. need to ask yourself or wherever we are, where, mm-hmm. where is my focus? Is my focus on what God is doing or yeah. is my focus on a certain outcome or what I'm doing yeah. and how yeah. I'm living, you know? And so, exactly. yeah, yep. yeah, totally. I'm with you hundred percent on that. Um, Another one for me is like a, a way over emphasis on the prayer of salvation, like mm-hmm. making the prayer me of salvation, too. like a magic incantation, right? Yes. Some Christians truly <laughs> yes. do treat it like that. If you say these words and then some of them will add, and you truly mean them, then right. you will, you will go to heaven. And I don't think we need to get into the theo- theological waters. I think that there is kind of some question. Okay, well, if somebody professed faith as a child and then walked away and never turned back, I I don't have the the answers for that. I see a lot of sides and a lot of arguments, and I think a lot of it comes down to um, I don't think there's like one blanket answer <laughs> for for situations like that, but. There are some Christians who put so much emphasis on just saying these words to this prayer, Mm -hmm. as opposed to what it means to count the cost and actually follow Christ. But again, we're going to put the flip side. Some people are so um, against the prayer that they actually never spell out the way to salvation, right? right? Like that's the one thing that the prayer does well. It spells out the way to be saved. It means you need mm-hmm. to admit that you're a sinner and confess that you've sinned and to believe that Jesus died for your sins and came back to life. Some people kind of go the opposite extreme and they never really spell it out because they don't want to just create an army of superficial believers. So I think, again, there needs to be a little bit of, um, temperament. But like, I remember once being in college, these street evangelists stopped me and asked, you know, who does Jesus mean to you? And I'm like, well, you know, he's my Lord. He's my savior. I follow him. And they're like, well, uh, did, did you, do you know about the prayer of salvation? I'm like, yeah. I was like, so do you remember the day that you prayed it? I'm like, well, no, I don't remember the day I prayed. They're like, well, oh, okay. Well, let us walk you through it. Like they, they truly thought that until I like had a date that I could write down and remember for the rest of my life where I prayed this prayer until that happened. I wasn't a Christian. And to be honest, like I did pray that prayer with my dad and I remember it. I just didn't feel like going into my entire spiritual history with them. And I didn't feel like that day was, you know, all that important in light of my entire walk with Christ. Yeah. And, you know, I think the one thing I, feel about the prayer it can be a really useful milestone it or can. Ebenezer mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like for someone mm-hmm. who you know write write yep. the date in the bible absolutely think, um that can be very useful for someone it can be a tool 
the, and like you said, the, the prayer, when you lead someone through this prayer of salvation, it does ask the questions to help them sort mm-hmm. of formulate their thoughts. But yeah. I, I do feel like it has become almost like, like an assembly line mentality. Yeah, and, that's good. And, and I have heard people refer to it as like stars in their crown. Like how many stars in your crown do you right. have? You right. know, how many mm-hmm. people have you put in your pocket? on the street, mm-hmm. like, you know, almost mm-hmm. like the, the person, and I'm not judging the heart of the people. No, the I, street, again, again. Yeah. But it could, it has the potential to become mm-hmm. like, Ooh, she doesn't know the date. I'm going to have her as a star in my crown. Yeah. You know, it's like, right. okay, come on. So yeah, it yeah. can get like anything else twisted and used out of context or even give someone a false sense of security. Absolutely. Of, I'm in. And that's the end. Yep. That's the goal. The goal is to get in the club. And now that I'm in. Then nothing else needs to happen. Right. Yeah. So yep. it is, it is a, uh, it, it's definitely um, a, a two-sided coin. Yeah. To be fair, I, I think the better option would be to lead more people in the prayer than not. Right. Right. Like you never know how God's going to use that. So I, I also disagree with people who refuse to do anything even remotely like that. Um, but yeah, again, just that overemphasis can be, can be really dangerous for sure. Yeah. Or at the very least it can create very shallow Christians, yes. right? Like even if that prayer and that moment does achieve salvation, for that individual, like, and that's amazing. We're told the angels in heaven rejoice mm-hmm. in that moment, but if that's all that happens, then, then the church doesn't grow because everything stays so superficial. And of course, God can take it and use it. So again, <laughs> this is why you and I are, are so bad at coming down heavy handed about anything <laughs> because, you know, we do see all the sides and nuances, but yeah. Well, another one that I have is when people say, I never pray for patience because then then God's gonna, you know, basically if I I never pray for patience, because if I Uh pray for patience, uh, you know, that God's gonna, gonna test you. And it's like, um, are you familiar with the theater superstition? You're not supposed to say Macbeth in the theater. No, I did not know that. I know the breakaway. Performing, yeah. Unless you're performing the play, you are not supposed to say the word Macbeth in a theater. And it's just one of these theater, um, you know, like theater geeks. It's part of theater geek culture, right? It's so like I'm. I don't think it's sinful to have that. It's just again, it's like saying don't say good luck. You say break a leg. But sometimes, yeah, we treat praying for patience like that. You know, it's just kind of this um, token, like. Is it kind of funny? Yeah, it's kind of funny. (laughs) Like I had a friend who ended up on bed rest and having to like spend the last six weeks of her pregnancy, like in the hospital. And she's like, yeah, I shouldn't have prayed and asked God for more time to study the Bible. Should I? And it was funny, (laughs) but again, like it can get taken to such a superstitious level. Yeah. And most of the time that I hear people say, I never pray for patients. It's kind of in a lighthearted way, but there are people that have said it that are like, I never pray for patients because mm-hmm. if I pray for patients, it's going to be tested. So it's yeah. just kind of one of those Or we've things. talked before, you know, I don't want to pray for my prodigal child to come back to God because I know that he's going to make them suffer to make them want to come back to God. And again, it goes back to that martyr syndrome. The stoic thing. Yeah. yeah. 
who says that's how that, like, who says that's the only way that they're going to come back to God? Maybe they're out watching this most amazing sunset on this party yacht and they realize that God loves them. Like how, why does it have to be that they're sitting on the gutter homeless, you know, in order to finally come to their senses and come to the Lord? Yeah, definitely. He can, yeah, he can use everything. Um, Well, the last peeve that I had kind of on my list is guilt tripping people for praying for yourself, right? So the idea is, oh, you're so selfish to be praying for yourself. I, you know, or, you know, the, the slightly nicer version is it's okay to pray for yourself. Just make sure that you're praying for other people, you know, more so. And again, it just, it harkens back to God as this referee and a timer like, oh, sorry, Jamie, I saw that you spent two minutes praying for your kid's school and three minutes praying for your, you know, your health. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to bless you in either area. Yeah, no, nobody's keeping track for sure. And I I do think that it is, it's, it's kind of, that's similar to that martyr complex. It comes down to Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you need to, um, totally ignore yourself and and focus outward when the truth is to think that you don't need God's work is kind of prideful to think that somehow others need your prayers. I mean, I don't know. It is. Well, you know, and I think about the dating advice where people say that by the time you're a married couple with kids, you need to go on dates and not talk about the kids at all. And when the kids were little, that was all I did. So like, what else am I supposed to talk about with my husband? Stock market. No, (laughs) like that was all I was doing like 30 or 31 days a month. I was with the kids. So of course I'm going to talk about them. Mm -hmm. Well, another thing that that kind of the guilt tripping and praying for yourself more than others um, goes into judging people based on their prayers. And I've been in Mm -hmm. situations where people have literally said, I can tell someone's spiritual maturity by the way they pray out loud. Mm, And that can be dangerous. Oh, it totally can. Anytime. And in theory, we're doing this right now. We're judging the I know, but we're We're so catty, (laughs) but but we're not because I think we're, we're looking at some of these things and the roots of them and whatever, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I think just in general, it's just really, um, dangerous territory to judge people based on how they pray out loud Oh yeah, because or guilt tripping anyone for Mm -hmm. the way that they pray. Yeah. You have no idea what's going on in somebody's heart. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can absolutely, I've prayed in groups and because when you let down your guard and pray vulnerably, you're giving the people around you a glimpse into your own spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I could see, okay, I heard her pray and I knew we were like meant to be friends, right. There was something about her connection to God that, that, blessed and encouraged my connection with God. And I want to pray with her more. I totally get that. But then like so often prayers can just be this huge flowery show of who can pepper their prayers with the most Bible verses or the most archaic sayings or the most adjectives. Like we're just packing adjectives. And again, we go back to like, it'd be weird if you talk to your spouse like that. And if it would be weird to talk to your spouse like that, think twice before you talk like that to God. I don't wake up and say, 
oh, dear, beautiful, handsome, strong, and loving husband of mine, right? I say, hey. <laughs> and again, What's like, up? Of course, we, we do approach prayer with more reverence, right? And I don't think, I, I love praising God in my prayers, but that's not what gives you spiritual maturity. It's not how many adjectives. That just tells you how good of a public speaker you are and how good you are with language. Right. I think judging someone's spiritual walk by the way that they pray in public is like judging someone's eloquence based on them trying to speak in a language other than their first language. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because if they're not a great public speaker, if they're not comfortable in public, Mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. not, that's that you're not going to hear totally them. Yeah. But absolutely. Or it's like looking at someone to gauge whether they're healthy or not. And you'd be like, oh, well, they're not they're you know, at what appears to be a healthy weight. So they must be really healthy. No, you have no clue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It can be an indicator. I, I feel like it can be an indicator, but yeah, you shouldn't judge. And that's what makes people uncomfortable praying in public groups, which was a topic of one of our earlier coffee breaks. So we also need to be careful about that. Um, I thought of one more peeve. This one's less prayer related. Um, but it bugs me to no end when you sing a song about like being happy, like, and there's a couple of them that come to mind. Like one is the Awana Cubby song. <laughs> Do you know, it's like, we are Awana Cubbies. We're happy all day long. Yeah. yeah I remember <laughs> or, that. Um, and now I am happy all the day, but that's a chorus from one of them. Da, 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 da. I forget which song it is, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I just got, done saying like, why does everybody think we need to be miserable to be Christians? But I also want to say, why does everybody think that we need to be happy to be Christians? And so like, okay, so if you're an Awana cubby, you're a five-year-old kid and you sing this song week in and week out that Jesus makes you happy. And one day you wake up sad. What does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus left you? Does that mean that God hates you? Does that mean that you're a terrible person? No, it means that you're a human with more range of emotions and just happiness. Yeah. That's a good point. That is a good point. And that can translate to prayers. It can, you know, someone could come into prayer and feel like they have to always, you know, feel like they can't bring out the dirty laundry, you know, yeah. or, and, and feel mm-hmm. like they have to always either pray for something else or someone right. else or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and be afraid to be transparent. And for sure. Like, yeah. yeah. Like our pastor came to Anchorage when our son was in the NICU and sat and prayed with us and this was it's cool because it was 14 years ago but it's still our same pastor today which is pretty special oh my goodness he was praying for scott and me and he said something to the effect of like god i can see how just tired Mm -hmm. they are Mm -hmm. and and he was so he was praying for god to give us you know just an energy boost but when he said that i got this tremendous sense that i had failed like what a bad testimony oh. i am because i look tired mm. <laughs> like I, how much pressure did i have on myself if my thought was okay i need to look like god's holding me together as opposed to like our world has fallen apart and yet we trust that god his is going to pull us through it like which is a better testimony right yeah well, and I, I feel like that with my kids sometimes, just with um, how I handle things. And I feel like sometimes I need to, um, I don't know, just uh, and, and through praying and seeing God working in prayer, whether it's to answer or not answer, 
I feel sometimes apologetic. Like I need to somehow I need to be enough for God, you know, on to, uh, okay. Like I need to make apologies for God when he doesn't do yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, the other night, my daughter, I, it broke my heart. She was having nightmares the last couple of nights and she was laying in her bed, looking scared about to cry. She's like, I'm just afraid I'm going to have a nightmare again Aww. in the middle of the night. Cause she had had a nightmare. She was afraid to come in to my room because she was afraid to get out of bed. Oh, no. And so she was like, I'm just afraid that's going to happen again. And she's like, sometimes I feel like God doesn't love me. And I said, why Mm. do you feel that way? And she's like, because I prayed that God would not let me have a nightmare. And I did anyway. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I feel like sometimes I have to, I'm like, well, what do I say? What excuse mm-hmm. do I come up with? Why he didn't right. answer that? I know. So that that's an easy really, go to to want to. It is to want to yeah. patch it up. To want to for us to want to be enough when we're going through hard yep. things and put on a happy yeah. face and we don't but have to. <laughs> no, eventually you can't. Like you know, we've got a kid who asks like the really hard questions. Why would God demand that the Israelites would wipe out entire tribes of people? Yeah. Yeah, I know that there are certain pat answers that I could just throw out there. Oh, well, that was God in the Old Testament. Or, oh, well, they were sacrificing their babies. Or, oh, this is a symbolism for getting sin out of our lives. Right. None of those are going to satisfy him. So we just have to eventually be like, yeah, there's a lot of things about the Bible, about God that are a lot messier than any of us will ever be comfortable with. And learning to trust God, through that's hard. <laughs> that's really, really hard. Yeah. But to be able to embrace the messy and be okay with it, whether exactly. it's being tired and, and, you know, yeah. not <laughs> allowing yourself to be ministered to, right. or whether it's mm-hmm. just saying, I don't know with the kids that have the hard questions. Right. Yeah. And to be able to say, I don't know, but you can still have a faith in God that he is good. He is loving. Right. And, and how do you sit with that? Well, you just have to get used to being uncomfortable about certain things because either you, you don't do anything, but dish out the easy answers. Like when I was growing up it was, Oh, well, that was God in the old Testament. And I was like, Oh, that's good. God in the new Testament's happy and loving. And, <laughs> and that was the extent that I had to wrestle with it. Made it easier for sure. <laughs> Did it for prepare your parents, me? Yeah. yeah. Did it prepare me to engage with the world or a son who like who's not going to accept that as an answer? No, not at all. <laughs> so yeah. Well, any other peeves now that we've gone heavy? No, <laughs> I, I cannot think of any. But I just yeah. feel with all of these, you know, the take home is there are it's always good to look at how we pray and what we pray and why we pray Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and just kind of examine them sometimes from, you know, as if, as if we were on the other side of things looking. Exactly. Yeah. And Jamie and I hope that nobody listens to this episode and now like second guesses everything about your prayer life, right? Like, oh, well, I shouldn't say this because that annoys some people. Prayer is prayer. And you know, God meets you where you're at, which is such a beautiful and loving truth. So I hope that, yeah, I hope that that was just kind of a fun um, glimpse into some of our peeves (laughs) and that it was um, 
brought in the spirit of just kind of lightness and fun and non-judgmentalism that it was intended, you know, and just, again, helping to train us to think about some of these cliches or things like that and to realize that, okay, just because I've heard it from five dozen Christians doesn't mean it's true. Like, God never gives us more than we can handle or, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Like, yeah, we can hear that on a very regular basis from Christians, but that doesn't make it true. Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up and we'll close with our blessing and benediction. Sounds good. All right. May God open doors of ministry to you today so that you may proclaim the word of the Lord courageously and effectively. May your speech always be seasoned with grace so you may know how to answer anyone who asks about the great salvation you've been granted through Christ. May God use you today to open eyes that are blind, to proclaim freedom to captives. May you never be ashamed of the gospel, but instead proclaim it boldly to those who need to hear. And our benediction is from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.